So now we go to the wholesome, the most wholesome moments of this program every week. America's heartland with our very own America's small caffeinated mom, the one, the only Rhonda Schrock. Good morning, James. Good morning, team. <laughs> Good morning, Rhonda. And she laughs on Good morning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Actually, I just texted James during the show, Scott, and I said, "Can Scott's wife call in sometime? She sounds like an interesting person." We're trying to make that happen. It's yeah. It'll it'll happen. It, it will. We'll, okay. we'll get it. We'll get we'll get her there. Okay, that's good. So, Rhonda, what's your real man? Well, I I was thinking about that, listening to your discussion, since my husband and I, you know, have raised. Or, um, they are people who take responsibility. Um, and I'm going to describe my husband here, not just for himself, but for our family. He, he is a very strong, uh, intelligent man who has devoted his life to providing for me and our children. Uh, he takes that very seriously. He is, uh, he, he's a He's gifted at research, so he does not make decisions quickly. He researches everything to see what's going to be best, not just for him, uh, but for our family. He went to college after we first got married. We did it the hard way, and he earned a five-year degree in three years by going year-round. He has spent his energy and just poured his heart and soul into leading our family well, one of the things that a strong, real man will do is to provide sound guidance and wisdom uh, for those for whom he's responsible, whether that's employees or his family. Um, And even now that three of our sons are grown, they call home to ask dad what he thinks when they have a a decision to make or just practical life matters, they will call him and pick his brain. I cannot tell you how much I love that. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something else, James, that you're going to think you said once, I feel like I'm talking to mother superior. Well, you're not, but there is a, speaking as a woman here, there is something incredibly sexy and attractive about a man who will defend you to the death who will put himself in harm's way to defend you and your children. We want that. I don't care what the feminists say. I, I'm five feet tall, a buck ten and change. I can't defend myself against an attacker. Um, in fact, when we were in Washington, D.C. a year ago, um, the homeless there, I was shocked to see how many homeless were there right by the White House. And as we walked, oh, yeah. actually, yeah, past the White House. Right in Lafayette we, Park. Yes. Well, we picked up a couple of them uh, that kind of followed us for a while. They were out of their minds. They were muttering. They were, I I mean, it it made me a little nervous, but I was traveling with a posse and I knew that no one was going to lay a finger on me. Now, with all that strength and all that provision, my husband has uh, been absolutely masterful at learning what I need, learning how to uh, help me become the best I can be, considering my needs. I would never be doing this, or I would never have had a newspaper column for seven years if he had not told me I could do it. He was the one who, who saw the gift in me and called it out. Mm. I, I'm not, I'm, 
I would never be the woman that I am in, in all the ways, wife, mother, just person, if it were not for that strong man behind me and in front of me. And I love following him. I, I just, it's not an insult for him to be strong in areas that I'm not strong in because I then am strong in areas he's not strong in. And so we work as a team. I like that. It's lovely. I love it. I got to ask you another quick question before you tell us about your essay this week, Rhonda. We were talking earlier this week about life in the city, you know, and you chimed in then too. I asked you what, did they have any discos out there in the (laughs) cornfields and you, Quickly corrected me that they're wheat fields, not cornfields, you idiot. But um, that, was, that was in Kansas because that's where I grew up. You grew up in Kansas, and they don't have corn yeah. in Kansas. They have wheat in Kansas. Wheat and Milo and that kind of thing, yes. And what? Milo. What's that? It's a grain. It's a grain. Milo? Yes. Mm-hmm. That sounds like an activist guy. Yanopolis. <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah. I, Milo, what kind of grain is that? Uh, I don't well, that's even know okay. What I didn't even know what. Qu- might, yeah. Anyway, I didn't know. I didn't know what quinoa was until a few years ago. Right. Anyway. There you go. Yeah. So okay. So we were like in all the places that we used to go party in New York and New York. Where did you party when you were when you were growing up in rural Kansas? Uh, we didn't. No. Wait a minute. Did oh, I just, I was, you didn't party? We didn't party. I mean, uh, my life was. High school, my parochial country school, and youth group. And so we had our youth group was very active, very busy. So that was my social life. It it was. It was pretty insular, but you know, there were a lot of good things about that too. We just didn't get into trouble. Drinking wasn't a thing. Um yeah, we just had good, clean fun. We had a ton That's of what fun. I mean. Yeah. A, Yes, it was. It doesn't mean yeah, it was I had. Perfect. I used yeah. to have good. I used to have good, clean fun too. But guess what? I bet my definition of good, clean fun was a lot different than your <laughs> definition of good, right. clean I mean, fun. I grew up on my grandpa's farm playing kick the can after dark with my cousins. I've heard so. about that kick the can thing. I oh, thought it was like hoop. something they. I thought it was something they made up in books. Kick the can. Who wants to just kick? I mean, this is a game. You're going to go kick a can. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, and then everybody Thanks, hides. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's oh, so much sounds fun. exciting. <laughs> it does. It sounds really wrong. It does. It, you gotta say it sounds exciting. Oh, what are we gonna do? Let's go kick the can. <laughs> well, oh. when you have as many cousins as I did, it was a lot of fun. I don't know if you grew up with a big family, but that was a great way to grow up. We loved kicking it. cans. And, yeah, <laughs> there's a little more to it than that. <laughs> what? Oh, I'm trying. I'm not. Goodness. I'm not making fun. I yes, I am. I'm, I'm yes, you not. are. But I just. I mean, kick the can. Yeah, that's what I always wanted to do when I was in high school. Oh, come on, come on, folks, let's go kick the can. Yeah. Well, that was before high school days. But you know, you have a whole ton of cousins. It's dark. There's a bunch of lanes and outbuildings on the farm. We're hiding, and you know, there's chasing in the dark. And then one of my cousins. That sounds actually, dangerous. Yeah. Oh, it was. It was a hoot. What caused a little insurrection one day was when my cousin used his retired canine German Shepherd to help him find us. Pitchforks it. I mean, that was cheating. You don't use a German Shepherd, you know. That was when smart. When you're kick the can. <laughs> well, I know, smart, but we all turned on him, so it didn't turn out to be so smart. So. Yeah, man, that was anyway. the big... 
That was the big thing. All right. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. So the essay this week, Rhonda, as we yes. go back and reminisce about kicking the can, is what is your essay this, <laughs> this well, week? I'll tell you, folks, this is Wholesome America, and you got to love it. Kick the can was real, I just discovered. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. your essay this week, Rhonda. Yeah, well, this is real, too. There was a story that made national news just recently, a prominent and very well-loved neurosurgeon in Detroit was shot and killed in his own home. Oh, no. Well, the reason that story mattered to us is because his family is known to us. He was going to go home and attend to his terminally ill mother, and when he didn't show up, the family got concerned, called the Detroit police. They went and did a welfare check, and, and they found his body. Well, four days after his murder, his mother passed away from cancer. So in four days' time, the family, which, again, is, we know is known to us was planning two funerals. And I thought about that a lot in the last couple of weeks. And I thought, you know what, there are things that transcend politics and parties and the lesser things that we give our lives to. And death is one of those things. And we don't like to talk about it, but we have to look at it. We had, I remember years ago, a Sunday school teacher once saying in class, three words that just, just stuck in my mind. We're all terminal. We are all terminal, and that can either throw us into despair and a frenzy of distraction and numbing behaviors, or it can cause us to look closely at our lives and live with intention. And as I look back over my life this last week as I was preparing uh, for the show, it was like I was watching a movie, James. And what I noticed that was that in every frame, there was not one frame in which God was not present. And I knew as I looked at that, that it was because as a girl in that country church on those prairie, prairie fields, I had made a decision to put my faith in God. And so every single hard thing that I have ever gone through, I never went through it alone. And I was never without everything I needed to get through it. So I, we had a close friend, I, I told his story at Christmas time on the show, actually, who struggled deeply with the concept of faith. He was a tough boss of firefighter. And so one day I said, you know what, it's like faith is the cord that plugs into the wall. Your appliances are dead and useless until you put the plug in the wall. You don't have to see the wiring in the wall. You don't have to know how electricity works. You only need just enough faith to put the plug into the outlet and your appliances will come to life. And I will never forget his face as he listened to me that day. He, and then he said, I think I'm ready to try it. Three months later, he got a terminal diagnosis of lung cancer. And three weeks before he died, he said these words to me, I'll be waiting for you. Because he had also made that decision to put his faith in God. 
And so that's what I want to share with our listeners, that politics, we love, we need to talk about politics, but there are things greater than that. And if anyone is struggling with faith, all you need is just enough faith to plug in. That's all. Where can we read your column, Rhonda? Uh, It's on the Daily BS today. Uh, thedailybs.com, and, of course, my website, rondashroff.com. James, I love this country so much. I love all of her people, my family and my friends, and I love you. Thank you, Rhonda. Love yeah. you, too. James Golden. Thank you. Coming back, ladies and gentlemen, to wrap it up after this.